Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. continuing in our worship series emergence I think is that what we called it as we wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for the coming of this savior and here we are tonight finally finally in Matthew chapter 1 we get to announce it verses 18 through 25 now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had to do the wrong thing in order to do the right thing? Have you ever had to lose your religion to find God? Five stories. Story the first. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. It just sounds more sermonic. Abraham, the father of our faith, was promised all of God's best blessings if he would cut ties with his pagan multi-god raising and pledge his loyalty to capital G, God alone. Part of Abraham's conversion would have included a new understanding of the value of every human life. He would have learned that this capital G, God, would happily receive gifts of grain and grape And even the blood of animals herded and tended, gifts that are given by the land and tended by the hand, 
gifts that can be replaced from year to year by providence and hard work. But God would not ask for nor receive the sacrifice of children or virgins or warriors or enemies. The people around you give their children to their gods in exchange for blessing, said God, but not you. That's not what I want, never what I need. And Abraham said, okay. And Sarah said, thank God. And now they knew how to be God's people, how to bless God with their loyalty and love and care for each other. Now they had their religion. And then one day, many years later, Abraham heard God's voice again saying something it had never said before. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. And Abraham said, what the fuck? And God said, do it. And Abraham did it. Or he came very close to doing it. In the end, Isaac went back home with Abraham, back to Sarah, who was awfully glad to see them both. But Isaac now knew what his father was capable of. And it was wrong. So very wrong. The wrongest thing anyone was ever asked to do. There's no getting around it. Abraham knew it was wrong against his religion, against everything he felt in his bones to be true and right and good. But sometimes you have to lose your religion to find God. Kierkegaard wrote a whole book about Abraham and the binding of Isaac a book called Fear and Trembling, a phrase he took from the verse in Philippians chapter 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Kierkegaard said that this story shows that sometimes the only way to find God is by abandoning religion. That is, by abandoning the sensibilities we have inherited from our religious heritage, our religious culture, our religious assumptions and dogma and habit and certainty and even ethics. Kierkegaard proposed that maybe God wanted Abraham and everybody who came after Abraham to understand this, that knowing God is not a matter of fitting yourself to a religious system of right and wrong. It's about remaining completely open to the God who is completely free. And sometimes that looks like doing the wrong thing in order to do the right thing. It doesn't make me like the story any better. It doesn't make me appreciate God's last-minute intervention to preserve Isaac's life as if God didn't have an understanding of PTSD and generational trauma and what this incident would cost that child and his descendants forever, but Kierkegaard helps. Story the second. James, the elder, was the head of the nascent church in Jerusalem 
if you could even call it a church. Uh, James was the one trying to make something official out of the queer, quirky, improv troupe of dopey disciples that Jesus had left behind. But Peter and Paul and a few of the other guys kept going rogue, ignoring instructions, inviting non-Jewish neighbors near and far to join up. Come on in. Without first going through the rituals of conversion to Judaism without even the most basic sign of loyalty to the God of Abraham. You know, the old snip of the tip, the circumcision. How, James and the Jerusalem hierarchy were asking, how could they expect to be Christian if they weren't even Jewish? Because the scriptures were clear. The Messiah would be Jewish, had been Jewish for Jews to rescue them from their domination by everybody else, the nations, the ethnics, the Gentiles. God had chosen Israel specifically, the descendants of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and, well, Jacob and all his wives and concubines. James and his religious kin, the religious kin of Jesus, he would have said in all caps, knew who they were and who they were not. But Peter... And Paul and their partners in crime were telling stories about the capital S spirit, about how she kept showing up in places she was not supposed to be, how she kept driving Gentiles into the baptismal waters. It was happening all over. Gentiles for Jesus. It was weird. It was wrong. It was most definitely against their religion. So James finally did what Father Abraham had done all those centuries before. In fear and trembling, he defied the teachings of his faith in favor of faithfulness to whatever God in God's own perfect freedom was doing now. Look, if the capital S spirit is saying yes to these people, James said, well, then that is God, no matter what our religion teaches. The Gentiles are in. And then in my imagination, he excuses himself to the bathroom, holding his breath till he gets behind a closed door, turns on the shower to cover the sounds of his great, big, gulping sobs. Story the third, because that's what happened to me, the sobbing the collapse on the floor of the shower in a fetal curl, tears and snot mixed with hot water down the drain. Because when God shows up outside the bounds of everything you have been taught is right, when God is wrong, wrong, weird and wrong, the fear and trembling is intense. Because I was thinking in a serious way that what we should do is start a church. And this church should be for all the ones that our religion said could not be in church. Like they had said years before, I could not be a preacher. Like the Bible said, I should sit down and shut up. Like the Bible said, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Like we said, it was imperative to get everything right, to live right and do right and think right and believe right and love right, that wrongness could not be tolerated by God, that God could not love anyone who was wrong about any of it. But I had started seeing God in places God wasn't supposed to be. And I had started hearing God ask for things I thought God had said God would never ask for. 
And I had started loving people and being loved by people. My religion said God couldn't, wouldn't, didn't love. People my religion said couldn't, wouldn't, didn't love right. And now it was apparent to me that God was way out of bounds. God was coloring way outside the lines, breaking out of every religious rule and ritual we had used to contain God. God was breaking out. And I was on the floor of the shower, sobbing, losing my religion, finding God, doing the wrong thing in order to do the right thing, in fear and trembling. Story the fourth, which is really the first because it's Christmas and this is a Christmas story. It's Joseph this time, a righteous man, Matthew says, a religious man, a son of David. And as a righteous religious man, he knew what he had to do concerning Mary and her increasingly obvious problem. The religious law called for capital punishment for a woman with child but without husband in Deuteronomy 22 though the severity of that penal system had been mitigated by the rabbis of late, mainly now, it was just a matter of public humiliation. And whose? If people knew that Mary was pregnant before they got married, everyone would assume it was his, and Joseph's own name would be dragged through the religious mud. It was shame or be shamed. But Joseph didn't want to play that game. He opted for a more respectable way out, a private release from the betrothal contract worked out on the down low between their two families in hopes of avoiding a scandal for him. Mary's scandal was unavoidable. It was written all over her body, from her face to her feet, the way pregnancy will do. But Joseph, at least, would be clear of any charge of religious wrongdoing. And then came the messenger, the angel, in a night of fitful dreaming, with a message from the Lord. Marry her, the angel said. You got to be kidding, Joseph said. Nope, said the angel. This is for real, and you got to do it soon and make that baby legit. She's going to need your help to raise the Savior of the world, so love your wife, but Keep your hands off her for a while and love that baby like he is your own, Joseph. That's what God is asking you to do. Oh, and the real baby daddy has picked out a name already. God says, call him Jesus. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife and had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. It was so wrong in so many ways. It was so costly to his self-understanding, so contradictory to his deeply held religious beliefs, so contrary to his carefully learned and practiced ethics. Joseph knew where to find God in scripture, in tradition, in the community that raised him, in the religion he loved and understood and counted on. But then God goes and shows up where God ought not be, in the womb of the girl he had been promised was pure. No, 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 no. 
Yes, 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 yes. Fear and trembling. Losing his religion. Finding God. Story the fifth. Well, I can't really tell this one because it's yours. It's your very own story of thinking you knew how things worked. How to gain access to God through religion. How to faithfully recreate the faith of your upbringing. How your theology was like a highway that if you did not veer off the pavement or take an ill-advised exit ramp, would deliver you directly to the door of God's heart. And now, somehow, you know different. And you've done your own time with the fear and the trembling. You may be feeling a little shaky even yet. You may not be 100% sure that God is really out here under the interstate, in here with this quirky, queer, improv troupe of dopey disciples. You may have been called to kill off some of your most treasured beliefs. You may have been called to receive love from places you thought love did not live. You may have lost your religion to find God and done your own shower sobbing stint, or two, or three, or ten. Ah, who am I kidding? Of course you have. You're here. Aren't you? Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to galileochurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.